0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four. Cranking them out now, episode four of ABC on Pittsburgh Sports. I'm Mark Clemente, I'm I'm joined by Michael Andonisio and Tom Bradley. Before we get started, ABC on Pittsburgh Sports is brought to you by Community Beverage. Tommy, any specials going on at Community? Always good stuff going on. Uh, right
1: now, springtime, we're sort of in the slow time for beer, but uh, we got a ton of local Is there ever beer. a slow time yeah. for beer? <laughs> but uh, we've got uh, Dancing Gnome. We've got uh, General Braddicks, fits Local, and stuff mm-hmm. uh, for Brew Gentlemen. Uh, so we're really kind of pounding the local market now, supporting nice. the local guys. So.
0: Good for you. That's awesome. And also by Brushes and Beans Cafe in Murraysville. Next week's our one-year anniversary, so stop out, celebrate with us. There were times I didn't know if we'd make it this far, uh, but thanks to everybody's support, we're here. And so, next week… And congratulations for you, I mean, opening a you. business in the middle of a pandemic to be able to survive a year, yeah, you know, congratulations. That's, uh, that's, Appreciate a, that's an awesome achievement, Thank it's you, nice job. thank you. Learned a lot along the way, and same to you, I mean, you you sustained through the pandemic, so that's even that was even tougher. We opened up on the… Yeah, but he's, we're coming he's on the selling outside. alcohol, so well, I mean, that's yeah, a good there, point. there is no, no pandemic for alcohol. <laughs> All right, let's get to this week's topic. We're going to start out with the Penguins. So, Tommy, I'm going to come to you first. Not a good five days for the Penguins, to say the least.
1: No. Um, you, know, they, it, it, you know, it's weird that uh, Toronto and Carolina are the two games we're talking mm-hmm. about. They're both good teams, but, you know, yeah. Toronto played well against us, and then I think they've lost three in a row and haven't looked particularly great since. Mm-hmm. Carolina comes in here on Sunday. You know they beat the Penguins. I thought they looked pretty dominant mm-hmm. in doing it. Um, then they go out the next night, almost lose to the Flyers. Um, right. Should have lost to the Flyers. Um, so it, you know it's it's weird. You know the the, the schedule is going to get significantly mm-hmm. more difficult for the Penguins here coming up, and I, we're going to start to see some of the cracks, mm-hmm. some of the things that maybe that uh, GM Ron Hextall and and uh, and Brian Burke are going to look at to maybe try to tidy up here before the end of the year. Um, but I think the key is the Penguins just are not playing, quote-unquote, Penguin mm-hmm. hockey. They're getting away from, you know, what made them mm-hmm. the, the team that they were early on. It coincides, unfortunately, with number 71, mm-hmm. Evgeny Malka coming back. It's not his fault. Mm-hmm. But the numbers draw almost parallel to when he came back that the team has just not played the same aggressive, forechecking,
2: defensive-first-style team that they played with to get to that point. Do you think that they're getting used to him being back in the lineup? That that has anything that to do should. with I mean, it or no? I mean, I, you guys know hockey more. Than I agree I do. with That's Tommy. I mean, asking.
0: every year because Malkin's been hurt a ton, just like Crosby. And whenever they come back, they, the team plays differently. Yeah, when, they defer to the stars. When the three guys are all in the lineup, it's like. It's like they don't—they
1: forget what got them to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, they all try to do a little too much. Some of the some of the guys that had stepped up take a step back and defer to the superstar. Evan Rodriguez. Evan Rodriguez
0: is Mr. A December.
1: Example. Um, you know, and it's it's been a weird phenomenon with this mm-hmm. group. You know, it's so infrequent that the three of them are all healthy together anyway. Um, but for whatever reason, this year specifically, um, you know, again, I, I think Gino's playing great. He's got a point in almost every game that he's played. Mm-hmm. Um, It's not him. It's all the stars. Crosby's made some turnovers. Latang's made some horrific turnovers. But even the guys at Gensel and Rust have done things that Mm -hmm. are just uncharacteristic. And, you know, part of it is it's February hockey. You know, Michael, one of Michael's biggest gripes about hockey is it never ends. And it's true. I mean, they go to camp in, you know, late August, and the the parade is in June or July every year. I mean, it is a It's a a long, grueling season. And as long as it feels like this season has been going on, they still got 30 games left. Yep. Um, so I get it, and we've talked about. It. We talked about it a couple episodes ago that Sullivan's system is is grinding. Yep. It takes a toll, and I think there's going to be ebb and flow with, with when you're playing that kind of system. Um, but I, I think that we're going to find out a lot between now and the deadline. And I think Ron Hextall's got a very difficult job he as does. to what you do with this team because. You know, the, the cap in the NHL is very difficult to understand with to, to layman's. Um, I've tried to look at uh, some capfriendly.com and a couple of different mm-hmm. sites to try to figure out what they have. From my best, you know, my layman's looking at it, if Zucker stays on the long-term injury reserve to the playoffs, then they right. have about $5 million to play with. But right. if he comes back and is activated mm-hmm. before, which he isn't skating, but it's still a long way, I mean, right. May is the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they really have a whole lot of money to play with. so
0: They're going to have to dump salary. It's going yeah, to be, it's yeah, it's going to be dollar salary for dollar for salary, in right. and out. And that's yep. going
1: to be difficult with this roster.
0: Yeah, so. it is. And, and, and one thing, and as you know, listen, I love the Penguins. I've loved the Penguins since Mario came in 84. I'm down on this team big time. I don't think this team has what it takes to make a run. I hope I'm wrong. I've been wrong in the past. I thought they were going to win it all last year, so what the hell do I know? But – um, and I'm down hundred bucks as a result, but, um, I don't think they have it. I really don't. I, and, and the one thing that's really bothering me, Tommy, and I want to get your take on this. There's too many guys that stay in the lineup game in and game out that shouldn't be in the lineup. If this were the Steelers, everybody would be going crazy. It'd be all over Twitter. It'd be all over the talk shows, you know, sit this guy down and play this person instead. Right. You have Drew O'Connor. He's back. He's healthy. And he looked pretty good when he when he played. You have Zahorna. you have Nealander, who great trade. It's looking like for Lafferty, um, we haven't seen him yet. Why are we still seeing Aston Reese, Simone? Uh, pick somebody, uh, you know, Kapanen, right? I mean, that's sacr. I mean, but Kapanen is not playing well. He's Mister Get to the blue line, spin around. I mean, he's been playing awful. Sit him down. Give one of these younger guys a chance. If we remember back in sixteen and seventeen, a huge reason why they won is because here comes Rust, here comes Gensel, here comes Coonhuckle. There's young, fresh legs that could play Sully style and could play it very well for sixty minutes into June. Why aren't they doing it? It's one of the confusing things about Sullivan. You know, when he came up,
1: the first couple years that he was up. Um, when he was their coach, and, and mind you, he came from Wilkes-Barre, so he had these players on their team, so he knew what you had. And and to be fair, there are no Gensels, there are no Russ, there was no Matt Murrays down in the minors. So, you know, when you're bringing them up, you're not talking about necessarily top six guys, but I agree with you. They're young, they're mm-hmm. fresh legs, they're, they're things that this lineup sometimes needs and helps with the grind. Mm-hmm. you know, y- Great for point. a system like they play, where they're grinding and they're mm-hmm. forechecking and they're skating like it is, to have 15 or 16 guys that, okay, out of those six or seven are locks, but the bottom five are in- interchangeable. Rotate those guys through a little bit. Right. You know, get some fresh legs, especially stuff when you're playing three and four nights or back to back nights. You know, we worry so much about the goaltender. We have to change the goaltender because they can't play two nights in a row. Mm-hmm. Well, why do we have to dress a third or fourth right. liner both right. back-to-back nights, especially when they're, you know, a dime yeah, do, a dozen? Right. They're not guys that are doing anything. Rotate them out. Keep them fresh. But one of the things that, that Sullivan just doesn't do is he like, – even coming off these two games where I think, you know, Toronto game I thought they looked flat. I don't think mm-hmm. – I think they came off a, the an big emotional high mm-hmm. off the 500-goal game for Crosby. Coming back against the Flyers, yeah. you go to Toronto. You know, it's a stale environment. Mm-hmm. You know they're under you know yeah, COVID do, yep. restrictions mm-hmm. still, and I can see coming out flat against that. But you know the Carolina, you know you're giving up goals twice in nine seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, Carolina yeah. to me looks like the team the Penguins want to be. They're fast. That's exactly what I said when I was watching the game. They're well-coached. They had Mm -hmm. good goaltending. And and that was their backup goalie, by the way. and they look faster than the Penguins. The Penguins didn't look like the the Penguins in this. So, you know, the things that I've been looking at is the lines and and where we're going with this. Mm -hmm. So, again, I don't necessarily agree that this is the way to go. And I'm going to say some stuff that I know you're going to want to reach across the table and smack me, but I'm looking at this strictly from the fact of how Sullivan's coaching, mm-hmm. what we have available to us right now, and the the twelve guys that he seems to be playing with. He doesn't, you know, there doesn't seem to be any. Even if we think right. that O'Connor Zahorna, um, they they cured up, they called up Bjorkquist today mm-hmm. because Aston Reese missed practice, um, but I don't think he's going to get in the lineup if you're talking about the 12 forwards that you have right mm-hmm. now um i think one thing that they got to look at is breaking up the crosby line and i know that that's sacrilege <laughs> because that's the one line that works but the right. problem is your work the, the regular season doesn't matter mm-hmm. we're working to the playoffs right so what are we going to do come playoff time yeah I agree and i don't think they can make any moves without trading salary for salary so if somebody's willing to take a cap and in, or a Zucker, or something like that. Okay, but other than that, there's just not gonna be a significant acquisition in my opinion. So if you take the eggs that you got, and you start moving them around, I think you have to break up that line because one line's not gonna work. And I don't Mm -hmm. like Carter playing with Malkin. He was brought here to be a third line center. So what I suggest, or what I think is sacrilege, and I would be, I've literally walked out of a Penguin playoff game once because this guy was still where I'm about to say (laughs) to put him is I think you take a look at Dominic Simone up on the line with Crosby, and here's why. Yeah. Uh, the fourth line and, and with Boyle and Aston Reese mm-hmm. Simone, Simone has been noticeable. He has been. No, I agree. Well. I agree. He does the little
0: things He well. wins puck battles. He's or, able to cycle well, below the goal. Yeah, I mean, he does a lot of little things well.
1: And if you put him on a line with Crosby and Gentil, he doesn't have to score goals. He right. has to do the little things. This isn't fantasy hockey. This isn't a fantasy football team or whatever. You're not collecting hockey cards. You're trying to build a team. So how can we make this team better? Well, I think you start with pairing up. I, Sullivan's always been a big guy on pairing guys. Yeah. So I think you pair up Crosby, Gensel. You pick up Malkin and Rust.
0: Mm-hmm. Those two always play great together.
1: Carter and Heinen. Mm-hmm. And eventually Bluger and McGinn. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're, you're just mixing and matching the other four. So what I would do is... I'd put Simone up there for now. Mm-hmm. Um, Zucker on the second line when he comes back yep. to play with Malkin, Malkin and, Rust. and Rust. I'm not slapping you. And then you've got Carter and Heinen with Rodriguez or somebody. Mm-hmm. And then I think the fourth line should be Blueger, McGinn, and Boyle. What? I really mm-hmm. think Boyle should be the, 13th, would be He's the played 12th well. forward yeah. and Aston Reed mm-hmm. should be in the bench. So
0: yeah, I have um, no argument with anything you said there. I think it all makes sense. I think it would help to jumpstart the team and you'll start to see different results. So you're right. I mean, you can't have the first line scoring all the five-on-five goals. Yeah. And that's what's happening right now. And and because if,
1: if they go through and they go one and done again this year, I mean, I did the numbers today. There's 17 franchises that have won one playoff series since the Penguins have in 2018. That's over half the league. The expansion Vegas Knights have seven playoff wins. The Penguins are sitting on one. And I realize they don't get as much heat from the, as the Steelers do for, for their playoff failures because – they won two cups in 1617, but that was a long time ago. You know, it's this core has been together, and it's time to figure out if this doesn't work this year, and they don't make the right moves. It's mm-hmm. time to look at everything yeah, as a yeah, franchise because right. you can't be this stagnant and go this far without a playoff win without making some some major changes.
0: You mentioned the Steelers and their lack of playoff wins uh, over the past ten years. So let's start. Let's switch over to the Steelers and and start to talk Steelers. A lot happened in the past week that we need to get caught up on, starting with the hiring of Brian Flores. I thought tremendous move, Uh, typical Steelers move. I mean, they don't care what other people think. Uh, I think it's, you know, this is one great example of how Art learned from his old man, Uh, learned from Dan. Um, You see a talented coach out there, regardless of what may be happening with the lawsuit and everything else, go get him It's going to make your team better. The last time they did that was Mike Munchak. And the last I checked, people were screaming for him to come back. So I love the move. It's only going to help the defense. And specifically one guy, I think, and this is probably a big reason why they made the move, was Devin Bush. They invested a ton in this kid. And he was awful last year, as we have discussed. Awful. If Brian Flores can't fix him, Nobody. he's done. Nobody. He's done. I mean this guy will not play in the nfl so i personally i love the hiring i think it's great it adds to the team significantly tomlin catching a lot of flack for not hiring outside quote unquote the organization here's a great hire from outside the organization when i first
2: seen the hiring i was like "Wow!" ladies
0: and gentlemen michael and denisio yeah by I, way, I, the hockey us.
2: talk actually i took a nap guys so <laughs> i'm back um, when i first seen the hiring of flores i was like wow this is a, and i do think it's a good move but you do have to be careful because you got all this extra stuff going on with Flores and that that can take away that can be a distraction to a team it, especially i mean he mm-hmm. sued the people he's he's <laughs> right. working for now it, it, if if that doesn't happen and he's able to do his thing i mean you add him to the defensive coaching staff and like you said it's only going to help the the front seven especially right. i don't know how much he's going to work with the defensive yeah. backs but the front seven, I, I think this guy could make a difference if, if the other stuff going on with with, with his legal mm-hmm. thing doesn't become a distraction in the locker room, where we're constantly, every time they want to talk to a player, they're going to ask him, "What do you what do think you about this?" And that's the only worry I have with the Flores hiring.
1: Yeah, I like it, and the, and a thing that I, I'm surprised I haven't seen more of it is is that not only is it a good move, um, it helps everything on the defensive side of the ball, where I think the defense is the one side that if they focus on and they get it right, could be a difference maker for them going forward. Because as we're going to talk about in a little bit you know, with the quarterback, I don't think the quarterback situation is going to be resolved in 22. So how do you win games in 22? You do it by having a stud defense. And you have three pillars, Hayward, Fitz, for Fitzpatrick, and TJ Watt. So you've got one at every level of the defense. You bring in and you focus on that side of the ball and you get a guy like him. You're exactly right, Mark. If you see a talented guy out there that needs a job and is in a unique situation, take advantage of it. But where I think it's going to benefit the Steelers tremendously is he's going to become a head coach again. Mm -hmm. Whether it's next year or two years Mm -hmm. down the road or whenever. And the Steelers have the opportunity now to get two compensatory picks off of that. Two two Two, third-round picks Mm -hmm. off of that. And that's the kind of capital you need to go get a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So next year in 23, if they haven't resolved this situation, which I don't think they will, no. next year if Flores gets hired as a head coach again, mm-hmm. they get two compensatory picks in the third round. That's the capital you need to trade up to and go get a quarterback you. in the future. So I think it's a great move. I don't see how it can possibly hurt. Um, I know that all the Tom and Bashers out there will say, well, he still controls the defense. I don't think that's the case. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be Austin and Flores' defense.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to turn out a really smart move. Well, in any walk of life, any job you have, the more brains you have sitting around the table, the better off you're going to be. And, and you know, what the old story, three brains are better than one. And so when you have Tomlin, who's still going to weigh in on the defense, you, you, we all know that. Well, Austin, that's his who's a great, yeah, it's his pedigree. And he knows it very well. I mean, if he was a defensive coordinator, he'd be the best defensive coordinator in football. And now Flores. Good luck to opposing offenses because they're going to be able to scheme out the ass and, and really come up with some some great game plans to really utilize the assets that they have. And I couldn't agree more, Tommy. I think this offseason is all about building up the defense, and we're going to get to that, as Tommy said, in a minute. But if they can, they have the money to do it, we've talked about it, this is the year they finally have the money. If they can go out and they sign a middle linebacker right, or draft one, and I think that's where they're going to go, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, you add a defensive line into the mix for some depth, you sign Witherspoon in an, another corner and figure out the, the Terrell Edmonds situation, you're going to have a really good defense, especially with those three minds behind it. I I, I love the Flores
2: move as far as, like I said, you're, you're adding a guy that is a head coach in this league and a good one that should have never lost his job. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the only problem I have is the, right. the, the distraction, the distraction yeah. side of it. And if, if there is no distraction, like Tommy said, two second or two third round picks. picks I, yeah. I mean, if he takes a job next year, right. there's your capital. Right. So
0: yeah, good point. And of course, the other news of the day, so to speak, Kevin Colbert gave his annual uh, State of the Steelers address to the media, and a couple notable items came out of that. First, he said if the season began today that Mason Rudolph would be the starter. Of course, we'll talk about that in depth. I mean, that sent Twitter world into a frenzy. And the other is he thought that Stefan Toot would be back next year. Guys, what do you think?
2: You hear these GMs, and it's it's the the basic talk, right? Right. Bruce Arians came out and said he'd be fine with Blaine Gabbert as quarterback. He's flat-out lying. Line, right. He's not okay with Blaine Gabbert being his quarterback. And Colbert's not okay with Mason Rudolph right. being his quarterback. Now, that may be the only option that they have by the time the season starts. He has
0: to say that because he's the only quarterback on the roster. So what's he going to say? Well, what I found interesting is he. nobody up to this point has endorsed Mason as the starter, even the sheriff. Mike Tom, he, Tomlin, when he came out at the end of the season, said all options are on the table. He did not say Mason Rudolph was going to be the starter. But then Colbert comes out and says, yeah, Mason's going to be our starter, Tommy.
1: Well, I mean, that's the thing. You know, For example, let's say you have a, a, a 2015 car. And you say, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get a 2021 car. And this 2015 car is no good anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, what happens when you go to buy the 21 and you don't have enough money? Or they don't have the one you want? Mm-hmm. Or it's not available? Well, guess what? Like the 2015 car. Well, okay, this one's one's not that bad. This isn't so bad. This will still get me from A to B. And that's the problem, is, is that everybody in this town is convinced that Mason Rudolph isn't the guy and convinced that the next quarterback is has to come this year. Well, what if there's not one available? Because where I sit today, Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson. Yeah. That's not going to happen. It's no. A pipe dream. Mm-hmm. The next guys, the Jimmy Garoppolos, the Derek Cars, that are that, yeah. are that are possibly that are traded for mm-hmm. that are are slightly okay. realistic. The Steelers, if they trade for those, are giving up assets that they need to build the rest of the team. So then you get down to the Mitch Trubisky's and the Jameson Winston's and the Marcus Mariotas that are free agents that mm-hmm. might cost something, but are they significantly better? Than a than a Mason Rudolph and I don't know that they are they they might be Mm -hmm. but they might not be so I think the quarterback that's going to be for the next ten years isn't in this roster I don't think it's in this draft and I think that the the Steeler fans are going to have to get around the idea of twenty two you have the money and and to build up some assets fix your offensive line fix your defensive line plug some of the holes. If you get really, really good on defense again and you fix your offensive line and you got Najee Harris and, and Friar that can run the ball and have a short passing game with a really good defense, that can get you somewhere mm-hmm. in 22. And then once that season's over, let's take a look at where we are. And if we filled a lot of the holes that we have now, now you can start playing a little bit mm-hmm. with potentially a couple extra third-round picks with potentially some compensatory picks if they you know if they get for anybody that that leaves this year and then you're 23 maybe the quarterbacks the free agents are a little bit better maybe the draft is a little bit better you don't have to and you're not just anointed the next guy because okay we need one that's not how it works in the nfl right you
0: yeah, know i it, all great points by both of you um i'm going to say something in in i firmly believe this based upon what Tomlin has said what Colbert's saying. Everybody's saying the offensive line needs rebuilt. I'm telling you right now, they feel like they probably have four or five pieces. They still love Kendrick Green, right? Colbert said it. He said he lost the job because of injury, and he's going to get another shot next year. Dotson hopefully will take football seriously, work out, be in shape when he shows up. There's your left guard, right? I think they're... You know, whatever Trey Turner or some other spare part will will play right guard. You have Dan Moore, and then they'll sign a tackle. I don't think this is going to be an overwhelming overhaul of the offensive line. I think one, two, that's it. They're not. I think what the fans think as it pertains to the offensive line and what the organization thinks are two totally different things.
2: Well, you guys obviously watch the Steelers more closely than I do. From what I've seen last year, I, I don't see what you're you, – you know, I, no. I think they need more than one more offensive line. That's I, just personally – that's right. how
0: I feel. I think so too, but I'm just saying I, I don't think that's what the Steelers feel.
2: Well, I think that
1: Moore is going to be a starting tackle, and I think Dotson's mm-hmm. going to be a starting mm-hmm. guard, and I think that Kendrick Green, Green. is going to be Green. in the mix. Mm-hmm. I think that they're going to – I think they're either going to draft a tackle and mm-hmm. sign a center – because centers are usually a little bit right. more mm-hmm. economical and be able to, or one of those two things. I think, but I think three of the five are already here. Yeah. I think they're going to sign, I think they're going to sign or draft a center and a tackle. And then I think the depth pieces, they're going to improve. You heard Kevin Colbert saying his, in his thing that he wishes that they had maybe right. one more veteran lineman. Because... You know, Michael and I were talking about this today. Linemen on both sides of the ball are like starting pitchers yep. in baseball. Mm-hmm. When you think you have enough, you get go get more. And I think that, you know, they were probably one or two offensive linemen short this year, mm-hmm. and I think they were one or two defensive linemen short this year. And I think that that's something that they're going
0: to address heavily in free agency. Yeah, okay, interesting. So talking about the line, let's yep. let's go d line. And this will be the first of our series. We're going to look at who's available coming out in the draft on on the defensive line. We're going to go position by position. And we're going to start with the defensive line. Horrible last year, absolutely horrible. Now, a lot of it due to injury. However, they were terrible. There's a reason why the Minnesota Vikings gouged them. There's a reason why the Detroit Lions gouged them. That defensive line sucked. Um, They didn't take any pressure off the linebackers. And certainly, that's not an excuse for Schobert or Bush. But the defensive line's got to do a better job of swallowing up blockers, and they were terrible last year. So let's start talking about D line. Well, to finish your point, it's a trickle-down effect. You know, if you fix the defensive
1: line, the linebackers, whoever they are, yep. are going to be get better. A little bit better. Right. And if the linebackers are better and mm-hmm. can make tackles, and that means your defensive backs are better. Mm-hmm. You know, people complained last year because Minka didn't have the big plays that he did. Well, he—that's because he was essentially playing linebacker right. mm-hmm. last year. He was playing too close to the line yep. because he had to. Yeah. You yep. know, right. somebody had to come up and make the tackles. He was leading I don't know if he finished the team leading the tackles, but he was leading the team in tackles. And if your safety is leading the team right. in tackles, that is not no, a good you, sign. Right. And even if, you know, we've talked about Tuit, is he gonna come back? Nobody knows. Alawalu said they're gonna be back. You have Hayward who's thirty three, mm-hmm. you have Alawalu who's thirty five,
2: and you have uh Tewit, who I think at the beginning of next 20. year will be thirty. Um, That's right. where's the depth on the defensive line, yeah. like as far as right. a, well, injuries, seventeen game yeah. schedule. I mean, right. you have Loudermilk, who they drafted yeah. last year. Who yeah. I think they like, but he's a
0: depth guy. You have Monty Adams, you have Monty Adams, is Adams depth. and, and Warmly. Yeah.
1: So, but you still, need, you still need one or two. To me, Warmly, those guys are five through whatever right. at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, one, two, and three are old at this point. If you know, stu- if two it comes back, if two it doesn't come back then their first-round pick almost has to be a defensive right. tackle and, and, alignment. It, it, I know and listen, a lineman. Listen,
0: if we see Henry Mondu, Mondo, however the hell, I'm going to go apeshit. I mean, that dude should well, not be I on mean, the roster.
1: I've been a Steeler fan my whole life, and there were multiple times last year where there was a guy making a tackle, and I go, who the hell is that guy? I didn't even know that There's 62 made a tackle last year. Who the hell is – did he win a contest? How did he get in the game? Who is 62? Yeah. I mean, so – When you got to start looking at who's making tackles in the middle of a regular season, an important regular season game, that's just no good. So, you know, I'm excited to see what Michael says about the tackle or the defensive lineman this year, because that's something that I, I really think, the more I look at this, I think that's a good
2: chance that's going to be their first pick. All right, Michael, floor's yours. What do we got coming out? Yeah, you guys know that I'm a draft geek, and I did my research. I I've watched some tape, and obviously I've seen the guy. I think the defensive line is their first pick this year. I think it has to be, and if it's not, Mm -hmm. like Tommy alluded to, you're either going, you're going to go for a tackle on the offensive side. But as far as defensive line prospects, we got two. That around where the Steelers are picking, and we got a long way to go. We got we got the combine coming up.
0: We'll now, talk more about the combine yes, next week.
2: We got the combine coming up. You also – you're going to have guys being cut from other teams. So, you're, you're mm-hmm. going to see where, where where this all shakes out. But two guys that come to mind, both play for Georgia, Trayvon Walker mm-hmm. and Jordan Davis. And Jordan Davis
0: – I love that, dude.
2: <laughs> Jordan Davis reminds me of Vita Vea from Tampa mm-hmm. Bay, except he's more athletic. The difference is he takes plays off where he's not, he's not constantly mm-hmm. – the motor most, yeah. doesn't go all the time. But if it does – this guy can make a difference. He can take up two offensive linemen at once.
1: Now, let me ask you, on the Steelers' system, you know, they play the 3-4. Yes. So, Hayward, that the ends stay on the field, but mm-hmm. what is considered to be the, the middle guy, yeah, the, no, the, the, the Casey Hampton the guy, they're only mm-hmm. playing 20, 25 snaps a game. Now, the guys you're talking about, are they are
2: they would be ends in this, or would they be in the middle? Uh, Tra- no, these these guys are defensive tackles. Trayvon Walker, mm-hmm. size is a little bit different. He's, he's more of a, a speed guy inside more I, I don't want to compare him <laughs> right. to I I'm going there I don't want to compare him to Aaron Donald but he's more of a speed guy. How about Hargrave? Would he be in the hard Javon Hargrave mm-hmm. Yeah, the Hargrave model? Kind of way bigger, way stronger and yep. way faster. Okay. um the, the, like I said the reason now we're going to see what the combine but the the thing that's moved him down the draft board is he seems to take plays off. That that that's been his rap but the actual talent we're talking you know anywhere between 10 and 15 now he could move up the board mm-hmm. but if he's still there when the Steelers pick at 20 I, 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 that, that's almost a no-brainer to me I mean you're fixing a whole bunch of things at one time like you said if you can get that that defensive tackle in that three four to take on two offensive linemen that frees up linebackers to make plays without having offensive linemen on top of them now if you're looking for an edge rusher as, as depth a right. little bit later, and I don't know where he's going to go. But I watched some highlights on Logan Hall from Houston. He's 6'6", 275 pounds, and he runs a four five forty. Now here, that's it, a freak. Now there it, now run stop not mm-hmm. so much, but pure speed rusher off the edge, and you could move him to that outside, outside. linebacker position. Stand him up. And you could stand yep. him up, and he can also hold the edge at his size. Um, one of the guys that I saw, and I don't
1: know if he made your list because I see him done a little further in the draft, was the nose tackle from Connecticut.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, he that, blew up the Senior Bowl. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was one of the I stars think of the Senior H-
1: Jones, right? Yeah, he's a guy that's just yep. he's in the uh, the old Casey Hampton big snap yes. mode yep. where he's just a huge, huge. man. Yes. Um, that could He's just a people. kind of stand yeah,
0: in the right. middle.
2: Mm-hmm. But you know, that's okay for you know 20, right. 25 plays a game, you know. Yeah, absolutely. With a guy like him, you just worry about the, the competition that he plays. When we're talking about the Georgia guys, mm-hmm. even, even even Logan Hall from Houston doesn't play against great competition. But when you're talking about these tackles from Georgia, these guys play against top, I mean, that's as close to the NFL as you're getting as the mm-hmm. SEC. And the the snaps that I watched, and I probably watched about 25, 30 on each of these mm-hmm. guys. Uh, Jordan Davis, to me, I, I fell in love. Now they only, obviously they were only showing his highlights, not the plays right. that he took off on the field. But I mean, if they can get this guy motivated for right. every
0: snap that he plays, yeah, I mean, that, that, that would be large a large. That would be a steal. I mean, you want to talk about a monster? I I, I watched three or four Georgia games this year and yeah he's huge and he's noticeable because he's a man among boys even at the sec level he's unblocked. if you try to man him up no chance of that happening he's going to swallow up two guys
1: and what a great role model to put him next to with with with, uh, with Hayward. great point yes i mean you put him next to cam and, yep. and you say uh, you just listen to everything this guy says mm-hmm. about how to be a pro about how to be a stealer about how to play the position that's the kind of guy you put together. And, and I I caution everybody out there. I always laugh at these mock drafts that are out already. You know, everybody has the Steelers taking this or that in mm-hmm. the first round. Well, what happens if they sign one of those in the first round? So we're going to get into mock drafts in a few weeks. But you know, everybody.
0: Yeah, let's let things play yeah, out a little the, bit. When yeah, you, when so you talk yeah. about
1: mock drafts and things like that and what's going to happen in the future, always remember what happens, free agency comes first. Mm-hmm. So if the Steelers sign three offensive linemen in free agency, (laughs) guess what? There's not going to be an offensive lineman in the first round. Same with defensive linemen, same with corners, anything. So let the system play out, but free agency first. But I really do think that uh, I think defensive line, and Colbert mentioned defensive line as not being a deep, draft yes, yes so if you're going to take somebody These you want to impact you're going to yeah. have to take it early
2: and it, 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 that's why I paid more attention especially this week to the defensive linemen especially the defensive tackles because looking at free agency I don't see anybody out there you know you're talking Sheldon Richardson at King mm-hmm. Hicks I mean Richardson's right. going to be 34 years old unless somebody gets cut that you maybe want right. to sign on a short-term deal but I, I think they got a Build the depth on the defensive line through, through the, the draft.
0: Gym.
2: Yeah, yeah, and they need younger. You know, yeah, you don't want right. to go out and sign another
1: thirty-four. No, you know, I've seen. Uh, I, I always butcher his name up, so I apologize to his parents. But Joby or yeah, Ogunjobi, Larry Obinjobi, yeah, yeah, the guy from Cincinnati, yeah. is a run stuffer and things like that. But they need youth. They've got the veteran, yeah. older guys that, that do a good job. They need to just. They need to just pound this with youth, and I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be disappointed if they took one in the first round. And then took another one in the fourth, yep. third, fourth round, because they
0: really need to build up the youth on this on this line. I agree. All right, well, that'll wrap up our Steelers discussion for this week. Let's turn to something new that we're going to do this week. Normally we have our closing arguments, and we'll get to those. But first, we're just going to do a quick roundup of other things that have been happening nationally in the world of sports. And michael as you know is a huge basketball fan so michael let's talk about a little bit nba all-star weekend
2: yeah i you know the the nba as far as marketing their product does it better than everybody now i wouldn't say the product the nba markets their players better than anybody else the nfl markets their teams better than Mm -hmm. anybody else and adam silver has done a fantastic job i mean the all-star weekend when we were growing up was something that we always watched. tom's not a huge basketball Mm -hmm. fan But when we were growing up we were every all-star saturday night Mm -hmm. we were in front of the television watching the dunk contest and this is the thing i think adam silver got wrong he got everything else right this weekend you know the 75th anniversary team they introduced every player they walked out at halftime Mm -hmm. of the all-star game steph curry hit 15 threes in the all-star game i mean it's just ridiculous but the the dunk contest is the crown jewel of their all-star weekend and they had three guys in that contest that nobody ever heard of. I was watching it with my daughter and she said, Who are these guys? Yeah. And it was almost an embarrassment to watch it.
0: We I didn't mean, know who Obi Topin was. Obi Topin. <laughs> I mean,
2: you know, cool Toscano. Cool Anthony, Anthony comes out and <laughs> his dad comes out of the stands and brings him a pair of Timberland
0: shoes yeah, right. that, that, that nobody had bragging? laced
2: up. And yeah. it took him 15 minutes to lace them up, yeah. and it took him another five five minutes to get one dunk done. <laughs> it it winds up winning it by default. I would have taken the trophy and tossed it right in the garbage can. It was an embarrassment. And you're right. I was never a big basketball fan, but I became a basketball Mm -hmm. fan
1: by All-Star Weekends and watching what Jordan did and watching what some of those, you know, I remember Larry Bird shooting threes Mm -hmm. to date me and Michael Jordan. And Vince Carter with his dogs. That you just couldn't believe. But those are the guys that for a kid that grew up that didn't even know if a basketball was blown up or stuffed. And I was on a basketball team at, you know, at, <laughs> by, hostage by Michael by making me do it with him. I mean, I, I didn't, wasn't a basketball fan. But watching those guys, you just get so mesmerized. And then yeah. after the All-Star game, you go, wow, what else are these Man. guys doing? And you watch it for the rest of the year. And, and I'm with you, Michael. I mean, I don't know the NBA like I used to. But when they said the winner of that of the dunk contest, I thought it was a, was it a fan contest. Or was it – I mean, did they just – That would have been somebody? more appealing right. to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, a fan, I never heard of, of the guy. And that's the problem is that the stars don't do this stuff right. anymore. No. It's just a bunch of guys. No, I, at the end
2: of the day, I haven't used right. that term yeah, in a you while. You haven't used it in a while, yeah. Adam Silver I think it's appropriate needs, He case. needs to change the way this is done. He needs to get the stars involved. Listen, the first dunk contest the NBA had, not the ABA, but the mm-hmm. NBA, 1984. Julius Irving was 34 years old. Mm-hmm. Do you think he wanted to do that? No. He did it because the fans wanted right. to see him that's what everybody came out to see. It wasn't the actual dunk itself. Right. It was, why can't LeBron James do a mm-hmm. dunk contest? I don't care if he's 37. You know, you don't mean to tell me you, if he was in the dunk contest, you wouldn't tune in right. on a Saturday of night course. and
0: watch that. Well, the, the one name that had to be in it this year, and he should have been in it, and oh. Silver should have went to the Grizzlies and said, he's in it, and I don't want to hear anything about his John Moran. Absolutely.
2: He's the best in-game dunker we have in the league right now. Mm-hmm. If, if he was there, that's, must, that's must-see TV. If, if LeBron's in it, 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 even guys like Miles Bridges, mm-hmm. that, right. guys that, that can actually dunk the ball. These guys that were in it, I'm not even sure they practiced any of these dunks. <laughs> I watched the rookie from Houston, Jalen Green. I, I shit you not.
1: Yeah.
2: It took him 10 minutes to get it dunk done. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had a guy throwing the ball off the side of the backboard. It got so bad, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar got up and walked out. Right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it. And if this is your crown jewel, you right. you can do it the whole weekend right, and everybody wants – they're there for the dunk contest, and these are the four clowns that they right. toted out there. It's inexcusable.
0: Sticking with basketball for a minute, and Tommy, I know you want to talk about this, and I have a lot of strong feelings about it as well. The whole Jawan Howard, Greg Gard, dust-up Michigan-Wisconsin game – Punch, well, it wasn't even a punch that Jawan threw, whatever he, he did there. Um, Greg Gard grabbing Jawan after the game, timeout, this, blah, blah, And now you have people, Big Ten commissioner, I believe, came out and said, no more handshake line? Possibly. Possibly, yes. right, yeah. Are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to get into a big societal rant here at all right. or, or yeah. the state of our world, but, you know, this is just another example mm-hmm. of the problems of that – if we, if we stub our toe on anything in this world, we just forget it. Well, we, right. we just won't do it anymore. Yeah. you know, As most people know, I'm a huge hockey fan. Hockey, for, for forever since I've been watching it, in the playoffs, at the end of every series, they all line it's a up beautiful and thing. they shake hands. You know, And mm-hmm. guys who just have killed each other for seven games and done everything they can to beat them, take their helmets off, take their gloves off, skate down the aisle mm-hmm. at, at center ice, and they shake hands. And it starts with the captain and the coaches mm-hmm. and everybody does it. And they somehow get through it every year with no real incident. And and the first time we have a little stubbing of our toe or something goes wrong, yeah. well, let's just yeah. never yeah. do it again. Mm-hmm. It's been working for a long time. How about we just stop for a minute and all coaches at every level take a second and show them. Don't hide from it. Show your damn team, hey, this is what happened. This is why it happened. Mm-hmm. And this is how we do it better. And learn from it, and not and the learning from it shouldn't be. Oh, we'll just scrap it. We'll never do it again. Figure out why we did it, and mm-hmm. teach players respect. There's nothing wrong with going after each other and beating the hell out of each other for a game, and when you're done tipping your hat to each other, and shaking hands like an adult, mm-hmm. and moving on with it. Right. And that's a part of life, too. Yeah. You, know, yeah, exactly. that's you my, don't yes. get a job. Right. You don't go back and punch the guy in the face. You <laughs> right. say, you know, thank you for the opportunity. Right. You know, I have competitors in my business. You have competitors in yours. We don't walk over to their store and punch them in the face (laughs) because they sold, you know, because we didn't get along about something. That's not the way this is supposed to work. And this is the teaching moment and Mm -hmm. should be a teaching moment for players and coaches alike and young people. You know, I showed my my son was asking about it. I showed Mm -hmm. him about it. I explained to him what happened and Mm -hmm. why it happened. It's okay to talk about Mm -hmm. it and explain why it's dumb. But the reality of it is, is that no, we'll just let's just stop doing it. And that's just such a stupid attitude. It's just it's frustrating.
0: I couldn't agree more, Tom. That, that was my whole thing. It, it's all about sportsmanship, right? We all played sports here. We all learned life lessons from sports. And that's one of them. It's sportsmanship. Like you were saying, Tommy, things aren't gonna go your way in life. You can't pout and say, Oh, I'm never gonna do this again, forget it. You pick yourself up and you do it. And the other part of it, and you mentioned this word too, and this was big. I was talking to Michael about this earlier today, respect. It's that respect. We're competitors, but at the end of the day, we respect each other for what we do. I'm going to shake your hand. I'm going to congratulate you if you beat me. You know, I'm going to win with respect. I'm going to lose with respect. I'm going to win with dignity. I'm going to lose with dignity. And yes, there are times that certainly wasn't the case. Our emotions, the testosterone you mentioned, is going to get the best of you. But as you said, you learn from it. We all make mistakes it doesn't mean we have to scrap something you learn from that mistake and you move on
2: yeah yeah jawan howard i know when it happened and he admitted he was completely wrong and in the moment and mark and i kind of got into it a little bit about this mark was like you know he should have been a better man you're right Greg Guard should have never put mm-hmm. his hands on him. Once you put your hands on me, now we got a whole different wow. set of circumstances.
0: They both I well. can
2: understand Howard's frustration. He was trying to walk past Guard mm-hmm. and he was going to shake the players' hands. Listen, Guard called a timeout. I know he had his walk ons on in the game. He called a timeout with 15 seconds left in the game. They're up 14 right. points. I got a problem with that.
0: I, I don't know if I would have shaken I, I, what I had so uh, go ahead. we go back and forth. The reason why he called a timeout is he had his scrub olas in, and Juwan Howard's pressing. <laughs> so why is Juwan Howard pressing? Well once again, two wrongs don't make a right. No, it right. It started with with that. He calls a timeout so these guys know what the hell they're doing. Well, I'm not
2: excusing Howard for what he did, but I can understand. Listen, in the heat of the moment, you know, the season hasn't gone well for Michigan. I'm not making excuses for him. He got mm-hmm. what he deserved. You know, they were preseason ranked number three or four. Mm-hmm. There's really a good chance they're not right. going to make the NCAA tournament this year. Guard should have just let well enough alone. Doesn't agree. make Howard being agree. right. right? I, no, I and agree that. And if Guard goes into his press conference right. and says, you know, that was unprofessional right. for him not to shake my hand. That's but You don't don't put your right. hands on me. Right. Like I said, you're talking about a guy that was already high strung right. walking right. Out anyway, and you're going to put your hands on him. It's going to cause a scene. Right. So, like Tom said, we don't fix these things. He got what he deserved. I don't. Did you guys see Tom Izzo's uh, press conference no, for Michigan I, State the I other see, day? Yeah. Tom Tom's seen it. Um, you know, he, he said they asked him the question about shaking hands, and he goes, "I don't know if the president of uh, of the Big Ten or the commissioner or the president of the United <laughs> States said it." He goes, "He, he goes, it's a farce." He yeah. goes. Not shaking hands. He goes, that's that's typical of our society now. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes, if you whoop my ass, I should walk down, shake your hand, and look you in the eye. Yeah, and, congratulations, and great congratulations. Game. Yeah, and, and that's that's not what we're the way society is, and that's why the issue is so touchy right now mm-hmm. because, like Tom said, everybody just wants to. Okay, well, yeah, they got in a fight. Let's
0: not do this again. Yeah. Well, good talk on that. It's come to that point of the podcast, parting shots, closing arguments, whatever we want to call them. I'll kick us off this week, social media. I think it's social media is one of the biggest problems we have. We talked about societal issues through this whole podcast, right? And and I think social media is one of the biggest issues we have in this country. And it's unfortunate because if you look at Twitter, for example, Twitter was created to be a news source. A quick, down and dirty, hey, you follow the AP, you follow CNN, Fox, whatever it is, you get quick blurbs about what's going on in the world like that, It's right? my daily it's, newspaper now. Right, it's Exactly. How I, it's right? how I get my Sports, news. Sports, I mean, it's great. You follow the various writers, you, you right? In the moment, you get updates. And like Facebook, it has devolved, right? Now, to get that news, you have to go through 30 posts of crap and opinions that I could care less about. We've become a narcissistic society. Everybody feels like their opinion needs to be heard. Um, Newsflash, no one cares. Stick to the facts, stick to news. If you want to share some news, hey, I heard that. blah, blah, blah. That's awesome. But I don't give a shit what you think. Two things I was always taught as a kid from my dad. Never talk politics, never
2: talk religion, because no matter what you say, it's never going to be right. Mm -hmm. I I stay out of those. And you're right. You go on Twitter and I got to keep scrolling through all this crap that I don't want to see. Same with Facebook. Everybody's got an opinion on, you know, the president or what's going on. Facebook's to see your kids. Right. Hey, I haven't seen Tommy's kids
0: for a few months. That's great to see
2: them. Social media has turned into.
0: It's devolved. And I think it's been a huge issue in our society that's led to the hatred the divisiveness because you can read anytime you want you go out on any of these platforms and read what people think and then you can't help but you get fired up right i mean it's just ugh, it's awful and we need to go back if there's there's got to be a way to clean out all the crap and just stick to the news please well
1: i'll just say this sort of on what you're talking about as far as social media goes the you know, the Steeler, the Steeler stuff is overwhelming sometimes. Yes. I get that there's a lot of people that get paid a lot of money to talk about the Steelers 12 months out of the year. And Right now, there just isn't anything right. to talk about. Um, so I would try to get past those guys and get to the Steeler fans and just beg you to please take a freaking breath. Right. Go, go outside, see the sunset, get some fresh air, go down to the street, have a coffee, right. do something. Because... It's out of control. Yeah. The Mason Rudolph hate, oh the people my gosh. bashing him. And what I did mean, they come from? So we could go, it's just, I it's not so. I don't know. I mean, you know, I can say this, this is a very important offseason for the Steelers and it's gonna happen in, and it's really gonna happen probably in three steps. The first one is they've gotta figure out some in-house stuff by the time free agency mm-hmm. starts, which they will. Second step will be free agency and they're gonna spend some money this mm-hmm. year. So it's actually gonna count for Steeler fans. And the last thing is the draft. But it's going to happen in those order. No matter how much you want to do it another way, how much you want the draft tomorrow, or they draft Joe Namath, this, you know, and this stuff, it's all going to happen in a particular order. So, Steeler fans, Steeler everything, if you love the Steelers, if you're a Steeler, go, please, go outside for a little bit. Go for a walk. Walk the dog. Paint something. Come, back in, the, yeah, come back in the middle of March, and we'll figure out where we're going from there and and... and you know, we'll, we'll take it from there, but just relax everybody. Amen. Relax. And please leave Mason Rudolph alone for a little bit. Give <laughs> Poor him a, kid. What did he me? do? Yeah. He's, he's still recovered. He's still getting hit recovered from getting hit <laughs> over the head by miles. Garrett with a helmet.
2: Uh, just let the guy go. So enjoy, <laughs> enjoy the fresh air. I'm going to end tonight's show on something a little bit different. You guys know, I'm, I'm a sports history buff. Mm-hmm. And last week, okay. uh, I started watching on the acc network the history of the acc tournament and growing up i was a big east guy Pitt was in the big east. right yeah so we, yep. you know I, obviously i followed the acc with you know north carolina mm-hmm. and michael jordan and sam perkins and james worthy and all those guys but i didn't know the history of the acc tournament and if you get a chance to watch it if any of you are basketball fans and like the history of sports it's a fascinating series. I think it's uh, 10 parts, I believe. I think we're on episode seven starting next week. But if you got time, check out uh, the history of the ACC tournament on the ACC network.
0: All right, Michael, Tommy, thank you very much. Another podcast in the books. Everybody have a wonderful week, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care, everybody. See you.